everybody's different. Like everybody's gut microbiome is different. And so what causes symptoms in one person may not cause symptoms in another person. Welcome to the Healthy Skin Show with Jennifer Fugo, where we're flipping everything you've been told about your chronic skin issues upside down and connecting you with alternative solutions your dermatologist never told you about. Welcome back to episode number 110 of the Healthy Skin Show. In today's episode, I'm going to talk about the relationship between mom's health and that of their baby or child. And could their health actually impact the development of skin rashes in little ones? Before we dive into that conversation, I wanted to answer a listener's question. Olivia wrote in and asked, You talk a lot about getting functional tests, but they aren't generally covered by insurance. And I worry that the test results that I could get back would end up being inconclusive. Is that possible? The short answer is yes. But in my clinical experience thus far, 99% of the time, I've gotten back really helpful information from these types of labs that I can then build a protocol off of and help my clients understand what's happening because a lot of their labs that they get from a conventional doctor might look normal and yet they don't feel normal. So I want you to imagine for a second that conventional labs are essentially like a sheet of paper. There's information on one side and it's pretty one dimensional. Adding in a functional lab takes that sheet of paper and turns it into a cube. So all of a sudden you get incredible amounts of depth and information that you couldn't have pulled out of those conventional labs on their own. Blending them together provides a ton of information. Is it possible that the results could come back and there's still questions about what's going on? Yes, absolutely. I can't say for certain that you're always going to get every single answer. But oftentimes, when there's still question marks, it means we have to look in some other areas in order to figure out those pieces. And one of the ways that you can avoid wasting money on functional labs is to have an in-depth analysis of your current health picture and those conventional labs so that you know where you need to dig. That's why if you are considering going down the functional lab testing route, make sure to work with someone who can guide you down that path and ensure that the tests that you are going to spend money on are appropriate for what you have going on, that they make sense and you're digging in the areas that are appropriate for you based on your symptoms, not just because your neighbor or your friend or this person you met online had this particular test run and it gave them a lot of answers. Your root causes may not be the same as someone else's. And so while a stool test might be ideal for someone else's particular situation, perhaps an organic acid panel may be better for yours. And one last point about why it's important to find someone to work with here who really understands these labs is that they're not meant for you as the patient or consumer to be able to understand They're very complex and oftentimes you need support translating and combining all of the data together to know what are the best steps moving forward. 
my clients are so grateful to have that kind of support because when they look at these labs, they totally get overwhelmed, unsure of what they're looking for, what they all mean. And they love the fact that we can go through the labs together. I can explain things to them in a very straightforward and understandable fashion and then create some sort of protocol or next steps for them without them having to do the research and figuring it out on their own. Great question, Olivia. And for those of you listening, if you want to submit a question to the Healthy Skin Show, head on over to HealthySkinShow.com. Scroll down, you'll see a little microphone icon. And there you can leave us a voicemail or a message that you would love to have answered on the show. All right, I think it's time to dive into today's conversation. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I've got a great guest with me today and one who is recurring. You probably heard her on the Healthy Skin Show before, but you might also recognize her from both of her appearances on our 2018 and 2019 Eczema Psoriasis Awareness Weeks. My good friend and colleague, Jennifer Brand, is whom I would consider one of the experts in working with children, babies, your general little ones, essentially, who are struggling with skin rashes. She's an integrative and clinical nutritionist with a master's degree in public health, a master's degree in nutrition, and she's a certified nutrition specialist. She specializes in childhood skin rashes, things like eczema, psoriasis, tinea versicolor, hives, acne, vitiligo, food allergies and sensitivities, and gut problems. Jennifer's own struggle with gut issues and her father's battle with psoriasis turned psoriatic arthritis left her frustrated with conventional medicine. So she knows firsthand that a different approach is needed. And that's why she loves to work with people. Um, She typically does do virtual consults like I do. And she also gives lots of presentations in the California area. I am so excited to have her here. Jennifer, thank you so much for coming back to the show. Thank you so much for having me back. So let us talk today a little bit about this interesting conundrum between like mom and little one and little one's microbiome and how that can impact skin health. But I do want to preface this conversation. I think you would agree with me that the conversation is not meant in any way, shape or form to make mom feel bad. I think that's an important part of this conversation. But if we're looking for root causes, we want to have an honest conversation about where these issues are. So, you know, what are your thoughts on that? It's just so moms are listening to this. They don't we don't want them to feel like we're pointing the finger back at them. Right. Absolutely. And something that I commonly talk to moms about. And, you know, when I start working with a family, I hear, well, you know, she he was C-section and, you know, I couldn't breastfeed. So we had to use formula and, you know, we have a cat, we have a dog and I was eating this way when I was pregnant. And so there's a lot of guilt involved. And I have to say, so I want everybody out there listening to know that I have seen babies that are C-section, not breastfed, all kinds of exposures. Yes, with health concerns. And I have seen babies vaginally born, breastfed for like mm-hmm. two years, no exposures to anything, super clean diets, and they have the same health concerns. So there really is no um, rhyme or reason, if you will, to you know one way or the other. But I've seen similar health concerns both ways. So it's absolutely not mom's fault. Yeah. And so let's start with the microbiome issue, because a lot of people... 
we'll notice that their little ones also sometimes I think have some GI issues as well, but maybe not. Mm -hmm. You could probably speak to that better. But what's the deal with an infant's microbiome compared to an adult, especially when we're talking about this in terms of skin rash issues? Mm -hmm. And the microbiomes are different between children and adults. And something else I want to point out, too, is that, um, you know, I find it really interesting that, you know, when we're, we're doing a, a stool sample, for example, and, you know, or when I'm questioning what is the baby's stool like and, you know, parents will say it's normal, um, but often it's really hard to tell because especially, mm -hmm. you know, if the child is in diapers, it's kind of mashed up anyway. You really can't tell how soft it is. And, you know, if the baby is um, breastfed, you know, not eating solid foods yet, the consistency is different. So it's it's a little bit more difficult to tell what's normal. Um, and then when we're looking at the gut microbiome, so a gut microbiome is not mature until a child is about two to three years old. So before that time, um, children tend to have a higher relative abundance in general. And so when we're looking at stool tests and something that we look at in adults is that if there's a higher relative abundance, we look at that as an overgrowth pattern. So in children, that may actually be normal. And there isn't a lot of that I have found yet on the subject to see what is actually normal. Um, and other folks and professionals that I've talked to in this area, you know, also have noted that there isn't a lot of research on this yet. So when we're looking at a stool test, we really have to look at it more closely and take different things into account when we are looking at little ones that are less than two years old. Mm. Now, here's the thing. You mentioned stool testing, and I think a lot of moms are like, wait, uh, mm -hmm. what Wait, what type of testing are we doing on my little one? We're looking at the skin. So can you connect the dots here just for someone who's like, wait, we're doing stool testing, but the little one has skin issues. Is that usually the type of testing that you feel is provides you the most benefit for if someone's little one has these rashes that they can't figure out with the allergist and the pediatrician that can illuminate things? Yeah. So talk, mm -hmm. talk to us a little bit about that. Sure, absolutely. So there is a major connection between what's happening in the gut and what's happening on the skin. Mm -hmm. And when we're talking about um, eczema, that often, especially in little ones, comes along with other atopic conditions like asthma and allergies. And so if you look at the research on this, there are major connections between eczema, um, asthma and food allergies and what's happening in the gut microbiome mm -hmm. and differences in the gut bacteria compared to other little ones that do not have those atopic conditions. And so health really does begin in the gut. Um, and something else I talk to my parents about a lot, my parents with the little ones I work with, is that 80% of our immune system is located in our gut microbiome. And when we're talking about these atopic or allergic conditions, that is, you know, an immune system that is dysregulated. And so if we're looking for where's the majority of your microbiome, 80% of it is in your gut. So it's a really good place to start investigating if your little one is um, struggling with atopic conditions and certainly with skin rashes. Um, so, yeah, so so that is where we start looking. And often, and I, I know, Jen, we've talked about this before, so I'll say it here as well, that 100% of the clients that I have seen that have skin rashes have gut problems. And mm -hmm. I say that because every client that I've worked with that has skin rashes and we've done a stool test, there have been gut microbiome imbalances. Well, so also... To that point, if a mom is like, wait, I'm a little uncomfortable with the idea of my little one being pricked because right, because that can be really traumatic for the mom, depending on the age and everybody involved. So 
you're saying like with little kids, is that the primary way that, I mean, obviously you're doing an intake and things, but if mom, moms are wondering what type of testing is usually involved, pretty easy to collect. So, it, you know, well, it is, but it isn't because sometimes <laughs> it's hard with the diaper and then it's not supposed to be mixed with the urine. And so there are a little, there are a few challenges there. Um, but something else I want to point out too, is that all of this can be going on in the gut without any gut symptoms at all. Um, oh, so that okay. is something that I also like to point out. And so it, it does amaze me when I do see a stool test and there's a lot going on, a lot happening in the gut microbiome. And something else too that I find um, very commonly is that when I am doing an intake, so you know, I'll, I'll talk to a parent initially um, before we decide to work together and you know, the main concerns are eczema or skin rashes or what have you, and no gut symptoms are reported. But then with the intake, take process, which is extremely detailed, we get a full history of what's happening. And then often there is, um, you know, maybe the baby was colicky um, mm. before the eczema began. Maybe they did have some gas. Um, there's often silent reflux or reflux symptoms in general, lots of spit up. Um, so there are some things that I think, um, you know, aren't necessarily identified at the beginning until we start talking about those uh, different types of concerns. And they really are all connected to gut health. Mm -hmm. And real quick, because I know I've had a couple of people ask me just about tongue tie real quick. Is that also a red flag um, if you see that on a little one's uh, intake? Yeah, that is. And for some different reasons. Um, so tongue tie can really impact feeding. So if your little one does have feeding issues, for example, problems latching, swallowing a lot of air, um, that might be something to check out. Also, even problems sleeping. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, there are so many adults, too, that actually have tongue tie and never know it. Um, I don't know a lot about it, but it's definitely something to check out if you do have feeding problems um, with your little one and sleep issues as well. Um, tongue tie, lip tie, it's actually really common and it can impact overall health. Okay. And that's, that actually leads into my next question, because I would like to talk a little bit about breast milk. So one thing that you shared with me that I was like, whoa, is, and it makes sense. A lot of us know that mom is passing nutrients to baby, right? Mm -hmm. Or little one, depending on how old the little one is. But is it possibly passing other things as well that could impact the little one's skin? Yeah, so I've become extremely fascinated by this because what's been happening is as I'm working with these families more and more and working with more and more little ones, um, you know, the moms have been on elimination diets. And so, you know, we're talking about children who are all breastfed or mostly breastfed. And so moms have been on elimination diets and, you know, I'm taking a close look at their history, um, the diet history, you know, what's going in to the little one, what's going into mom. And it just doesn't make sense. Like I can't pull out any, you know, overt food triggers. Their moms are avoiding all, all the major things that we would ask them to remove, you know, gluten and dairy, for example, um, other things that might be triggering of allergies or um, gut hyperpermeability. And so I started finding some research that certain gut bugs can be passed through breast milk. H. pylori is one of them. Oh my um, goodness, really? Yeah. So there are certain bugs that can be passed. And I, again, it's, I'm, I'm having some difficulty finding lots of research on this. Um, so breast milk, of course, is protective against so many different bugs. So it absolutely is protective. 
Um, and it does help baby build their immune system. So this is by no way saying you need to stop breastfeeding or that you should stop breastfeeding. It's just another avenue to explore. So I've been starting to explore more and more, you know, what's happening with mom and mom's gut health. Um, because, you know, when, when a mom is really worried about her little one, they're not talking about themselves, you know, and when moms have little ones, they're focused on their little ones, not on themselves. Um, so I, I, also do wonder as well and have been talking to some you know other professionals about this too uh you know what other things can be passed through breast milk and so it's also very possible that if mom does have some gut imbalances that you know all of those you know, overgrowth infections whatever's happening in there those bugs produce toxins and so mm-hmm. endotoxemia right so these bugs get out into the bloodstream um through gut hyperpermeability for example and they can end up in breast milk and being passed mm-hmm. to the little one and so it's very possible that you know food isn't even a trigger at all and it could be these endotoxins in the breast milk that are triggering baby um something else too that I found interesting. So um, parasites, for example, are are too large to cross the mammary, the milk, you know, mammary uh, barrier. Uh, But however, um, antigens from them can. So it's possible that if mom has a parasitic infection, that some of the toxins or the antigens from those bugs can be passed to baby. And again, it can be, and it's it's not uncommon that um, we don't have any symptoms, you know, at all with these gut things going on and these gut problems. And then everybody's different too. Like everybody's gut microbiome is different. And so what causes symptoms in one person may not cause symptoms in another person. Mm -hmm. And so it's very possible that, you know, you, me, you know, any of us have all kinds of nasty stuff happening in our gut, but we're not really symptomatic with it. So there's no need to check it out and there's no need to address it because for us, it's fine. Um, So it's really challenging to determine what's going on um, with all of these little ones. But, you know, it really makes you wonder because there are so many babies that um, develop eczema at just a few months old. So, you know, you have to, it begs the question, you know, what is happening and what's getting in? Um, The other thing to keep in mind too, is that babies' guts are actually hyperpermeable. And depending on the research, I've seen a few, like the first nine days, I believe it is, is, you know, very leaky. Babies have very leaky guts. Um, And that can be the case for a number of months until the gut stops being quite as leaky. So, you know, it's that first period of time, too, that can be very telling as to, you know, what might happen. And, And I do see that's when a lot of children are developing these skin rashes and developing eczema. And then I've also seen um, in a number of cases where the little one, you know, we're finding C. diff toxins. In I remember you told ones. me this, like you were telling there me about more. this one yes. case and you said, mm-hmm. um, you know, the poor child was, the mom was taking out all this food because that's our natural inclination right now is to look at food, blame food, point the finger at food, and yet it came back, and this poor little kid has C. diff. Yes, so that one in particular, and and the mom suspected that um, it was, so so the little one, I think she was about, she was under a year old at the time, and she had a staph infection, so they gave her an antibiotic for it, and after the first dose of antibiotics, she woke up the next morning covered in eczema, and it hadn't gone away since. Oh, wow. Um, So we did this stool test and found C. diff toxins, 
Um, and then I, I actually had another one that I was talking to today reviewing stool test results with. And this little one um, is just under a year old and there's C. diff toxin. Um, and so, you know, started fact finding a little bit more with mom and she did have some antibiotic use. She had an infection. It was after the baby was born, um, but she was breastfeeding. And so, you know, is that where the C. diff toxin came from? I, you know, I don't know. I don't know that we know that, but C. diff is associated with antibiotic use. And so I have been seeing more and more, you know, these, um, you know, really kind of crazy infections and toxins and little ones. And again, you know, these, these children are so small. So it makes me ask the question, you know, how is this happening and where are these things coming from? Yeah, absolutely. So I guess, and this is a question that I have for women who are interested in getting pregnant and they know they've got some health issues because <laughs> sometimes, you know, and you're like, well, does it matter? It's important I deal with it now. If you're listening to all this, you know, I've always found with clients, it's kind of better, like pre-pregnancy is a really good time <laughs> to work on things. Absolutely. Um, I think this also might be some, or provide some impetus to someone listening to this. If you do have some health concerns, if you've got rash issues, if you've got gut issues, any sort of things, it might be best to try to address it beforehand because it does become increasingly difficult, like in pregnancy and breastfeeding, it is more complicated to deal with your own issues as, as the mom, um, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. and, and people do need to know that it's not as straightforward and simple because it's, it is a more complex situation because now you've got mom and baby to consider. So um, what happens though with mom on a gut protocol? <laughs> like, yeah. Can that impact their little one? If mom knows she's got gut problems, she's like, well, I'm breastfeeding. You know, I, I've kind of I've kind of given a little bit of the farm away, I suppose. But why don't you give your yeah. take on that? Sure. So, um, OK, so first of all, um, during pregnancy, I would not recommend, you know, doing anything other than, you know, mm -hmm. probiotics can be OK and, you know, maybe some supportive things. I do think it's important, like mom, don't ignore your health. Um, you definitely need to take care of yourself. Think of it as putting your oxygen mask on first. You know, that's what we're supposed to do. And it's really important that you do that. Um, so Jen, I just to reiterate your comment, I think it is important to um, address any health issues that you have, you know, pre-pregnancy if possible. So definitely check that out first. But when it comes to uh, addressing health issues during breastfeeding, so it's possible. So there is a family that I'm working with and I'm working with the children. The mother, however, um, has all sorts of gut issues and was working with another practitioner. So the practitioner has the mom on a gut protocol that does involve antimicrobials and a lot of um, uh, different types of supplements that I not really my place to say, but anyway, so, uh, what was interesting was developing the little ones protocol that's being breastfed around mom's protocol. Um, so this is something that I, I don't recommend. I really don't recommend if you're a breastfeeding mom going on a bunch of antimicrobials or anything like that. So what we were seeing in the little one and he's fine, like everybody's fine. Everybody's doing well. Everybody is getting better. Um, but so when the mom started her protocol, the little one started having some die off too, which actually wasn't a bad thing in this case, because he did have lots of different infectious types of things going on in his gut. Um, so what we did was instead of, you know, addressing his, 
um, the overgrowth and what he what we were seeing in his stool test directly is that kind of, you know, helped with some supportive measures mm-hmm. to help rebuild what was going on in his gut and rebuild his gut versus that kill off, you know, the um, remove phase because he was getting that from mom. Um, so we're just monitoring the situation very closely, um, you know, seeing how he improves as mom's protocol continues and then just doing adjunct things to help him until mom is done with her protocol, seeing where we land then and seeing what we need to do next. So it really, it throws quite a wrench into the situation. Um, But, you know, in this case, it really needed to be done with mom because she had a lot going on and was pretty sick with what was happening. Yeah. Yeah. And and it is what it is. I mean, look, if you work with a doctor and you're really sick, I think that, you know, a doctor, especially they can make judgment calls that, you know, our scope of practice is pretty clear. I will say this, and I think this is an important reminder to everyone listening. If you are pregnant or you are breastfeeding, that is not the time to go like DIY and try to deal with gut issues in yourself or your little ones on your own. You don't go buy detoxes or cleanse programs or some well-known person's you know, candida protocol. That is not the time to do that because you can cause major health problems. You really need to have the support of someone who's working with you. It is critical because you can make things a lot worse and you don't want to harm your little one in the process of doing that. And I will say this, um, one really fascinating thing is I was I've talked to, you know, some, we have some of the same kind of mentors and whatnot and, and also doing my own research. Like it's really difficult to find research on breastfeeding for a lot of these antimicrobials that are out there. There's, there's a limited amount. And so you can't, again, it's, you cannot just go out and say, I'm going to go buy this. So-and-so did it, but so-and-so might be 55 years old. She's nursing a child it's a different story and I just want to caution people because it is I totally understand wanting to you know do your own thing and try and support your family's health but you do have to be careful in the process because this is a very critical period children grow am I wrong in saying I wish I should remember this from our (laughs) our one class we had to take back in grad school but I believe (laughs) that children grow more they're fast there's a lot of more fast growth um in that is what the first two years of life something Mm -hmm. like that than um the rest (laughs) the rest of the age range so um we just Mm want to be cautious with that but jen this has been super super interesting so so guys do you understand now why i just say go see jen literally my i'll be like really i don't know this information this is in jen's brain she loves doing this kind of stuff and supporting moms and dads and little ones that's why i always every time somebody writes me i'm like go see jen go see jen (laughs) go talk to jen go follow jen because she's really involved in this type of information um so jen everybody can find you over at jenniferkarenbrand.com is that correct that is correct yes perfect Mm -hmm. and i know first of all you have a really great instagram account lots of good information every single day and then you've also got i i would say i don't know which do you think would be the best you've got a bunch of like really nice um options for people if they want to dive deeper into this you do you have Mm. a free gift you'd love to share with everybody listening I do. Probably um, my best general one. I have the guide to beat your little one's eczema and it goes you know, over some of the basic things that you can try yourself regarding diet, nutrition, um, topical options that might be helpful, 
skin soothing baths, so sort of um, supportive measures that you can take to help your little one be more comfortable. Um, you know, and the idea is to do that while you're addressing the root cause. Perfect, perfect. I'll put the links to everything, your Instagram, your website, everything over in the show notes. And I really appreciate you coming back again. Thank you so much for the time. Thank you so much for having me. I love being on the show. I love your show. <laughs> uh, I, I do. It's a fantastic resource, a fantastic source of information. And I listen to it all the time. So thank you for including me. I'm so glad that Jennifer was willing to come back and join us again. She's a wealth of knowledge and she is the person I send all of the kids and baby requests to because that is her wheelhouse. She loves working with parents and supporting them around this really tough time where little ones have rashes and you just don't want to see them suffer, but you feel like you don't know what to do and she can be an excellent resource for you. If you've got any questions or thoughts you'd love to share, head on over to skinterrupt.com forward slash 110 in order to share your questions, leave your comments, place them in the comment box so we can keep the conversation going. And don't forget, your support is critical. So if you haven't done so yet, head on over to your podcast platform of choice, rate, review, and subscribe to the show so the next episode lands on your mobile device without you having to do a thing. And if you know any moms with kids or babies who are really struggling and are trying to figure out what the heck is driving their little one's rashes, share this show with them. Hopefully it will provide much insight on what could be lurking underneath the surface and driving the problems. As always, I appreciate you tuning in and I will see you in the next episode.